From the Financial Times in London, I'm Ben Hall and this is FT News. US business leaders have fallen out with President Donald Trump, abandoning two high-profile industry panels because of his ambivalent response to the far-right marches in Virginia last weekend. Joining me to discuss the relationship between the White House and big business are Brooke Masters, the FT's company's editor, and Sujit Indap from the Lex column. Brooke, before these panels were disbanded, several members resigned in protest at Mr. Trump's equivocal reaction to racist extremism. Why did it take the others so long? Well, it's interesting. When Mr. Trump initially reacted to Charlottesville on Saturday and people felt it was inadequate, a couple of people did react very badly. The CEO of Merck, who is African-American, got out on his own and resigned. But everyone else was quite quiet, partly because Trump got out on Monday and gave a prepared statement that you know deliberately condemned the far right, said he was not in favor of Nazis. What then happened is Trump gave a press conference on Tuesday where he basically took back everything calm that he had said and said that the alt-right and the left protesters who were on the other side were morally equivalent. And that just sent everyone up a tree. Sujit, do these panels have any real merit or were CEOs more worried about disassociating themselves from Mr. Trump and the potential hit that they might take if they did take their distance? Sure. Well, if you go back to the election, maybe many of these CEOs weren't particularly enthusiastic about Trump. But once he was elected, they saw his presidency as a real opportunity to enact their priorities, which are lower corporate taxes, regulatory relief, those kinds of things. When there was more promise about maybe a more moderate tax beginning of the administration, they were happy to sign up and have a seat at the table and try to negotiate these corporate priorities. But what happened was uh, his legislative agenda is totally stalled for many reasons, including his political problems. And so there was literally no upside to sticking around with them. In the early days of his presidency, if he took to Twitter to slam companies or corporate leaders, sometimes their share prices would take a hit. In fact, more often than not, their share prices would take a hit. But that doesn't seem to have happened this time, Sujit. Is that because investors aren't worried anymore? Yeah, I mean, I think that his influence has totally waned. I mean, he's alienated much of Congress, and obviously he needs to work with Congress to enact any kind of agenda. And so he's just become a sideshow. I mean, if you talk to investors, they're more worried about the Fed and GDP growth and markets than anything that's coming out of Washington these days. Brooke, to what extent was grassroots or bottom-up pressure important here, you know, consumers or even employees putting pressure on bosses? I think it's actually fairly meaningful because what I found very interesting about this is the councils disbanded. So the CEOs did not have to come out and specifically distance themselves if they didn't want to. A number of them, including Jamie Dimon and Jeff Immelt and Alex Gorski, all came out and specifically said, I was going to resign. And they mostly said it in letters to their employees, because I think they were hearing from their African-American employees, their Jewish employees, who were absolutely horrified by what they saw. And I think they felt the need to say, actually, there are lines. We do stick up for them. And, you know, Alex Gorski in particular had come out in between the two Trump speeches and said he wasn't going to resign. And clearly he heard, I don't think it was consumer groups. They hadn't, it takes consumer groups longer to get going. Um, I think it must have been employees. Was that a bit cynical on their part to sort of advertise the fact that they were actually going to resign before they were resigned, if you see what I mean, by Mr. Trump? Maybe. I mean, to be fair to them, I think if they genuinely believe in inclusion in the workplace, they needed to come out and say to their employees, yes, we heard you, we care. Um, So you could say, yes, it was completely cynical. On the other hand, if they hadn't come out and said it, all the the CEOs who haven't said anything, I wonder what their employees are thinking. Sujit, can I just come back to the sort of the pro-business agenda that CEOs hoped for at the beginning of this presidency? Is there any reason for confidence left? 
Well, it depends on the agenda item. So I think there was a sense from both parties that the corporate tax regime in the U.S. needs to be changed, uh, that the absolute like 35% rate is too high. And had the administration been more conciliatory about this, there was actually a real chance to make progress on that. Things like tax cuts, I think, are more controversial. But what you have seen is that from executive action, banking regulation actually has seemed to be lightened up in the last six months. You can see that there really is a more conservative pro-business agenda, which obviously CEOs like, and that really has kept them aboard. Trump has been controversial for a long time. It's not like these comments came out of nowhere. It's all shocking. It's just that the trade-off was worth it. And all of a sudden this week, it wasn't. If the upsides have diminished, then maybe the downsides have also increased. I mean, the potential downsides, you know, ripping up NAFTA, picking a trade war with China, surely American business or most American business is not in favor of that. I think that's definitely true. And there's less and less sense that Trump is going to accomplish anything that is positive. I mean, he's going to do his regulatory stuff, whether or not he has CEO support. What the CEOs were there for was to help get the tougher things through Congress, you know, because they can lobby. And that's things like infrastructure spending and tax reform. And neither of those seem to be going anywhere right now. So for the CEOs, the lightening up of regulation is happening whether or not they're sitting on Trump's advisory councils. The stuff they would have been involved in, it doesn't seem to be happening. Sujit, did you want to come in on that point? No, I think what Brooks said is exactly right. What happens if, say, Gary Cohn, Donald Trump's chief economic advisor, quits? He is seen in many ways as the sort of leader of the globalists inside the administration. Is that critical to business and to market, Sajit? He is the conduit to Wall Street, and he is thought to be a moderating force. That said, Trump doesn't seem so moderate, so it's unclear exactly how much anyone can impose discipline on the president. What's interesting about Gary Cohn is that he has been rumored as a possible Fed chair, Jen Yellen's term is up early next year, and so Trump has to make this appointment. So there is some thought that he is sticking around, perhaps, to angle for that job. So that's something to watch in the coming weeks and months. Okay, well, it's good to see that Mr. Trump is providing a roller coaster ride for business leaders as much as he is for the rest of us. My thanks to Fiona Simon and to Sujit and to Brooke. And to read more on this subject, go to ft.com.